Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the I'm Just Saying podcast. This is your host, Jared Dawkins here. I hope all of you are continuing to stay safe and are and are continuing to wear your mask and socially distance yourselves, whether you are all vaccinated or not. Just remember, we just remember we are all still in the middle of a pandemic. This pandemic is not over. I hope that all of you out there, regardless of whether you're vaccinated or not, or whether you're wearing your mask or not, just be smart. Don't be stupid. But with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, happy football season to everybody. Happy NFL season to everybody. I I know just like you all are, I am very, very excited about the about the football season starting tonight on NBC. Chris Collinsworth, Al Michaels, Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys taking on Tom Brady, Devin White, Levante David, Leonard Fournette, Mike Evans and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the defending world champions. I am very, very excited about this game. This is going. This game is going to be the tone setter for what the rest of the NFL season is going to be like, which brings me to my first topic that I want to talk about with you guys as far as what has stood, as far as what has stood out to me recently in all my years of watching the NFL. And I want to talk about week one specifically. Why is week one a very, very important week in the NFL? Why do you ask that? say I'm pretty sure a lot of people out there are people people out there that are listening to this. Week one is a tone setter for the rest of the NFL for this specific reason. Because you want to get to see where your team is starting off in the first week of a football season. Whether it be high school, college or pro, you want to see where your team is. If your team starts off starts off very, very well and you win a game then your team is headed in the right direction. Whether the whether the win is ugly or whether the win is by blowout, it doesn't matter. You can still fix things in a week one victory. It's, yes, it's possible. You can still fix things even in a win. But what you don't want to do is start your season off on the wrong foot. Because if you start your season off on the wrong foot, then, that's good, then that could end up being an omen or a domino effect to how the rest of your season could end. Now, I know a lot of people out there are probably thinking, well, it's not necessarily how you start your season, it's how you end your season. Yes, that is true. But at the end of the day, how you start your season could also be how you end it. So, you know, let's say, so for example, let's just take a hypothetical example. The Denver Broncos. Let's say the Denver Broncos, because... Let's say the Denver Broncos because Vic Fangio's on the hot seat. Let's say the Denver Broncos come out this weekend against the New York Giants and they and they don't play well or they play very, very average. Then that could be the tone setter for the rest of the season for the Denver Broncos. And they could come out in week 15, week 16, and week 17 and go on a two or three game losing streak. And that's how they ended the season because how they started the season eventually turned into an omen on how they ended it. So week one is a very, very important week because you don't know what teams are good. I mean, you necessarily get a get a good idea of of who who the elite to very, very good teams are in the AFC and the NFC. And you pretty much get get a big picture of, okay, this team's good, that team's good, that team's good, that team's good. But at the end of the day, you really don't know about the middle of the pack teams like the Giants, like the Panthers, like if, you know, like a Philadelphia. 
So that's why week one gives you gives you the opportunity to see to see how good your team really is starting off in week one, whether it be against a divisional opponent or not. But which and that and that brings me to my next point. I want to talk about three teams specifically that I believe need to start off on the right foot heading into the 2021 season. First off, I want to start off with the Cleveland Browns. As we all know, ladies and gentlemen, the Cleveland Browns made the playoffs for the first time in 18 years with Baker Mayfield, Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham Jr., Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. And they ended their season with a five-point loss in the AFC Divisional Round against the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, we all know that the Cleveland Browns are a very, very good football team. We all know that. But the question is... Can Cleveland build off of the success that they had last season? And can they take that and possibly have an even better record than they had last year? And and not, on, not only that, can they take it a step further and win the AFC North? So that's my thing with the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns have to get off on a good start this season. They cannot go 2-2. Two and two. They can't go... Two and three within the first five weeks. They can't go 0 and three within the first three weeks. Cleveland has to start off the season very, very well. They have to start off the season at least two and one, if not three and one. They cannot start off the season two and two, three, two and two, two and three, 0 and three, or one and three. They can't do that because if they start off the season with any of those records that I just mentioned, then, like I said before, they're going to have to play catch-up the rest of the way down the line with, with a team like the Baltimore Ravens or even the Pittsburgh Steelers if Pittsburgh gets their act together and gets back to playing their style of football. So that's one team that I believe needs to start off the season on the right foot. The Cleveland Browns need to start off the season fast, and, and they need to start off the season on the right foot. Next up, the Tennessee Titans. Here's why I believe the Tennessee Titans need to start off the season on the right foot. You lose Arthur Smith, your your offensive coordinator of the last couple of years. You you lose him to becoming a new head coach for the Atlanta Falcons. Now you have a new offensive coordinator. You bring in Julio Jones via trade. You draft Caleb Farley. You bring in Bud Dupree to replace Jadavion Clowney. You lose Malcolm Butler and you bring in Janoris Jenkins. You lose Adore Jackson. Bottom line is this, can Tennessee, can Tennessee mainly offensively still continue to be what they were when they had Arthur Smith over the last couple of years? Can they still be that, but even better now that they have Julio Jones? Because now, now here's the thing. Now that you got Julio Jones to replace Corey Davis, now your offense is going now your offense is going to be expected to take that next step to put up even more points even more points per game than you did last year and and not only that with with them ha- with the with the Tennessee Titans having Julio Jones now that's going to take less that's going to take less defenders out of the box for Derrick Henry and that's going to leave more holes open for Derrick Henry to run through defenses and to possibly possibly gain another 2,000 yards, even if that is possible. Now, at the end of the day, like I said before, this is just like with the Cleveland Browns. Tennessee cannot get off to a bad start, okay? And here's the other thing about Julio Jones with Tennessee, too. 
And this is what I think a lot of teams do when they bring in a big-time wide receiver like Odell Beckham Jr. or Julio Jones. With Tennessee, they cannot try to they cannot try to justify justify trading for Julio Jones by within the first two or three games targeting him 25, 30 times. They can Tennessee and Ryan Tannehill cannot do that. Do not try to justify do not try to justify the trade of of Julio Jones. Do not try to prove that Julio that you guys were were right in trading for Julio by targeting him. 25, 30 times within the first three games. Don't do that. Because if Tennessee does that, then they're going to completely go away from who they actually are. What their game plan is offensively, run the ball with Derrick Henry, run the ball with Derrick Henry, run the ball with Derrick Henry, and then go play action with A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. That's Tennessee's. That That's who Tennessee needs to be. But bottom line, Tennessee losing Arthur Smith is huge, and they cannot afford to get off to a bad start, especially with them trading for Julio Jones and going to get a Janoris Jenkins and a Bud Dupree in free agency. Tennessee needs to start off fast, and they need to start off playing well the first few weeks of this season. Lastly, but certainly not least, the Miami Dolphins. As we all know, the Miami Dolphins have missed the playoffs the last couple of years. But here's why Miami's very, very important. Miami's very, very important in this sense. Is Tua really the guy for them moving forward? Okay. Now, there were games last year where where when Tua struggled, Brian Flores took Tua out of the game, put Ryan Fitzpatrick in. Brian Flores can't do that anymore. This is Tua's offense now. Yes, they have Jacoby Brissett, but this is Tua's offense now. If Tua struggles... Miami as a team is going to struggle because it's going to get to a point where their defense is going to start to wear down because the offense keeps putting them back out there on the field so much. Now, with Tua having Jalen Waddell, Jakeem Grant, Devontae Parker, Adam Shaheen at tight end, with 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 and and also Albert Wilson, with Miami having those weapons on offense, Tua does not have to do so much. On the offensive side of the football, Tua can just manage the game, 20 to 25 throws, run the football, and make big time throws when you need to because your defense, because Miami's defense is good enough to where, to where they're going to be able to keep the offense in the game to the point where, to the point where, my, where my, where Miami's offense can put up that touchdown or put up that field goal when they need to, to possibly put the game away or even end the game. But Miami, is another team that cannot get off to a bad start. They, because if they get off to a bad start, then more than likely, within the first eight weeks, those rumors of those rumors of trading for Deshaun Watson again are going to pop back up. And we all know Miami's interested in Deshaun Watson. And the and the worse and worse Tua plays, or the or the more average and average and worse Tua plays, the more and more pressure. Miami's going to feel to eventually make a change at quarterback. So Miami is a team that also cannot get off to a bad start because they have a very good defense. They have a they got a damn good receiving core. It's up to Tua to prove that he is the man moving forward. And if he is not, if he doesn't prove that within the first few weeks of this season, those Deshaun Watson rumors are going to start heating up to the point where eventually, eventually Tua's going to be out of there. But coming up next, ladies and gentlemen, 
I'm going to give you guys my final and official NFL playoff predictions for the AFC and NFC. And I'm going to give you guys my top three most interesting games for week one in the NFL. That's coming up. Stay tuned. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. As you guys already heard all the way back in January, if you've, if you've listened to the show, you guys heard back in January that I made my way too early NFL and NFL playoff and Super Bowl predictions for the 2021 season. But with, with anything in life, whether it be sports, or just life in general, we all have a right to change our minds or change our opinions or have a change of heart based off of us just sitting back and probably just thinking the thinking an entire situation through or just thinking about a certain sports topic in general. So we all have a chance to change our mind with that. And with that being said, I took a specific team out of the NFC playoff picture that I had back in June, and I changed them with a new team in the NFC moving forward. This is it. I'm not going to change these predictions after after the, after the today. I'm not changing them. It is what it is. So with that being said, let's get started. Here are my official 2021 NFL playoff and Super Bowl predictions. Let's start with the NFC. With the NFC, my number one seed in the NFC will be the San Francisco 49ers at 14 and 3 and they will win the NFC West. 49 49ers are my number 1 seed. My number 2 seed, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 13 and 4, they will win the NFC South. My number 3 seed in the NFC is the Dallas Cowboys at 13 and 4, they will win the NFC East. My number 4 seed will be the Green Bay Packers at 13 and 4. They will win the NFC North. My wild card teams in the NFC. The number 5 seed will be the Seattle Seahawks at 13 and 4. The number 6 seed will be the Los Angeles Rams at 12 and 5. And and the last team in the NFC playoffs for my for my NFC for my NFC playoff predictions. Back in June, I had the Arizona Cardinals making the playoffs. But I had to really think about it. I had to sit back and I had to think, you know what? Let me take the Arizona Cardinals out and let me insert the Carolina Panthers. I got the Carolina Panthers as my number seven seed in the NFC and the final NFC playoff team. So there you go. In the NFC, my number one seed is the San Francisco 49ers. My number two seed is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. My three seed is the Dallas Cowboys. My fourth seed is the Green Bay Packers. My number five seed is the Seattle Seahawks. My sixth seed is the Los Angeles Rams. And my seventh and final playoff team, I took out the Arizona Cardinals and put in the Carolina Panthers. Let's move over to the AFC. Obviously, in the AFC, the number one seed, which is going to be everybody's number one seed, is the Kansas City Chiefs. I got the Chiefs finishing finishing sixteen and one. I only have the Chiefs the Chiefs losing one game this entire season, and that's to the Tennessee Titans. My number two seed is the Buffalo Bills. I have the Buffalo Bills finishing fifteen and two and winning the AFC East. Almost forgot I have the Chiefs winning the AFC West. Obviously, my number three seed. The Baltimore Ravens. I have the Baltimore Ravens finishing 13 and 4 and winning the AFC North. 
My number four seed, I have the Indianapolis Colts finishing 10-7 and and winning the AFC South. My wild card teams in the AFC. My number five seed, the Miami Dolphins at 13-4. My number six seed, the Cleveland Browns at 13-4. And And my last AFC playoff team is the Los Angeles Chargers. The seventh seed, they will be the seventh seed at 12 and five. I believe the Chargers are going to get into the playoffs. And I believe they're finally going to get over that hump and get out of their own way and finally get into the playoffs. So, in the AFC, my number one seed, the Kansas City Chiefs. Number two seed, the Buffalo Bills. Three seed, the Baltimore Ravens. Four seed, the Indianapolis Colts. Five seed, the Miami Dolphins. Six seed, the Cleveland Browns. And the seventh and final playoff team in the AFC is the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, my conference championship predictions. In the AFC, I have the Baltimore Ravens and the Kansas City Chiefs. In the NFC, I have the San Francisco 49ers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I have Kansas City defeating Baltimore. I have San Francisco defeating Tampa. And I have the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers in the Super Bowl this coming season. And I have the Kansas City Chiefs hoisting a second Lombardi trophy in three years. So those are my AFC and NFC playoff prediction, playoff and Super Bowl predictions, ladies and gentlemen. Now let's move on to my top three most interesting games for week one in the NFL. My number three most interesting game for week one in the NFL, the Green Bay Packers will take on the New Orleans Saints. In my opinion, this game will just simply come down to can Jameis Winston avoid turning the football over? If Jameis Winston can avoid turning the football over, then I believe the New Orleans Saints will stay in this game as long as they possibly can because their defense is that damn good. Now, with New Orleans not having Michael Thomas, I believe that this game is going to be very, very lopsided because it's going to get to a point in this game where the Saints are going to rely on the Saints are going to rely on Alvin Kamara a little bit too much and eventually Jameis Jameis Winston is going to have to throw the football down the field and with the Saints not having Michael Thomas for the first few weeks of the season that's going to put more pressure on the Saints defense to keep them in that game so with that being said I believe this game is going to be a blowout, in my opinion. I believe Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, I believe Green Bay's offense is going to dominate this game, and I believe Preston and Zadarius Smith and that and that Packers defense is going to get after Jameis Winston, and I have the Green Bay Packers winning this game 35-16 to over the New Orleans Saints. My number two most interesting game, it's tonight's game between the Dallas Cowboys and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Bottom line is this. With the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, this game is going to come down to, does Tampa have any rust? Is Tampa, is Tampa going to have, is Tampa's offense going to have any rust coming into the season? Because we all know their defense is going to show up. Tampa's defense is going to show up. Their secondary may have a little trouble because of how good Dallas's receiving core is, but at the end of the day, this game is going to come down to can Dak Prescott not make mistakes? 
can Dak Prescott avoid turning the football over? And can and can the Dallas Cowboys get Ezekiel Elliott going? Because let's be honest, I don't believe if Tampa plays to their capabilities, capabilities, and if Dallas plays to their capabilities, I really don't think that this game is going to even. I really don't think this game would be close. So. I believe this game is going to come down to can Dallas simply keep up with Tampa Bay as far as scoring and can Dallas avoid turning the football over and by them avoiding turning the football over, meaning can they get Ezekiel Elliott going. But with that being said, I believe the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win this game 34-23 to tonight over the Dallas Cowboys. Again, Tampa wins. 34 to 23. And my number one most interesting game for week one going into the NFL season is the Cleveland Browns taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. As we all know, ladies and gentlemen, the Cleveland Browns took Kansas City to the limit in the AFC playoff divisional round back in January. And Cleveland is a very, very good football team. Simply put, this game with Cleveland and Kansas City is going to come down to this. Can can Cleveland run the hell out of the football to the point where it wears down that Kansas City Chiefs front four? And can Baker Mayfield avoid turning the football over? Now here's the now here's the one kicker to this game that a lot of people are seeing now that we did not see back in January. The Browns did not have Odell Beckham Jr. back in January. They have him now. So I believe that Odell Beckham Jr. is going to make somewhat of a difference, but I don't believe he's going to make that much of a difference to the point where Cleveland can actually find a way to win this game. I believe the game's going to be close. I believe the game's going to be very, very close, but ultimately the Kansas City Chiefs are just going to be too damn good, and I believe the Kansas City Chiefs win this game over the Cleveland Browns 28-17. to Now, again, like I said before, Cleveland's going to keep this game close because of how good they are offensively, but also because of how good their front four is going to be. The only question that I have with the the Cleveland Browns is their secondary. Greedy Williams and Grant Delpit are coming back to go alongside rookie Greg Newsom and Denzel Ward. So it's not going to be their front four that worries me with Cleveland. It's going to be their secondary. And with a young and inexperienced secondary as Cleveland has, you're going up against an offensive Patrick Mahomes that can drop 20 to 24 points on you in a quarter if they want to. So that's, that's, my, that's my worry with the Cleveland Browns. It's not going to be their offense. It's not going to be their front four defensively. It's going to be that secondary. But coming up next, ladies and gentlemen, you know what time it is. It's going to be time for me to leave you with something to think about. That's coming up. Stay tuned. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. Some very crazy breaking news going into the show, or coming into the coming into the last segment of the show, ladies and gentlemen. The Baltimore Ravens, who I picked to win the AFC North and be one of the top four seeds in the AFC may have had two may have had two two more major impactful season ending injuries there's a report from Bleacher Report that cornerback Marcus Peters and starting running back Gus Edwards may have may have actually torn their ACLs if that is true and Marcus Peters and Gus Edwards 
have both torn their ACLs. I'm giving you guys a heads up right now, making another change. If that is true, that Peters and Edwards have both torn their ACLs, then the Cleveland Browns will win the AFC North. It's, it's just that simple. I'm making another change right here, right now. If it is true that Marcus Peters and Gus Edwards have torn their ACLs, I just don't see any way that the Baltimore Ravens can overcome all of these injuries and still find a way to win the AFC North. You lost J.K. Dobbins. You lost Justice Hill. You've lost Rashad Bateman for a few weeks. So you pretty much lose your entire backfield, and then you lose one of your other elite starting corners in Marcus Peters. I just don't know how the Ravens can overcome this. Now, I hope I'm wrong, and I hope the Ravens can find a way to overcome this and still find a way to possibly win the division. But if I'm being realistic, if this is true, I'm being realistic. If this is true, and Peters and Edwards have both torn their ACLs, I just don't see how the Ravens can overcome this and that they win the division. And with that being said, Cleveland will win the division if these injuries are confirmed. But next up, ladies and gentlemen, with with that side note being with that side note taking place, it's time for the final segment of the show. You know what time it is. It's time for me to leave you with something to think about. The year 2003. Why do I bring up the year 2003? Because that is the year that one of the more physical Super Bowls, one of the more physical and explosive Super Bowls took place in NFL history. Super Bowl 38 between the Carolina Panthers and the New England Patriots. Obviously, we all know Tom Brady and then Bill uh, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. David Patton, the late David Patton, David Givens, Christian Fourier. Then on the defensive side of the football, Richard Seymour, Willie McGinnis, Ty Law, Rodney Harrison. Then with Carolina, Moussa Muhammad, Steve Smith Sr., Deshaun Foster, Stephen Davis. Then on the defensive side of the football, Dan Morgan, Julius Peppers, DeForest Buckner, Mike Minter, Ricky Manning. That game was a dud for about three, for about three and a half quarters until the second half. When we all know the offense, the, the offense, both teams' offenses exploded, and we all know the game ended on an Adam Vinatieri 40, 40 plus yard field goal, and the Panthers ended up, I'm sorry, the Patriots ended up going on and winning the Super Bowl 32 to 29. But what if, as we all know, ladies and gentlemen, if you probably forgot, let's go back for a second. And rewind, and I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you guys how the Patriots actually got to that point. If you don't remember, John Casey, former franchise kicker for the Carolina Panthers, kicked the ball out of bounds on an illegal procedure penalty, which led the Patriots to take the ball at the 40 yard line, and the Patriots successfully converted on two plays. Then Adam Vinatieri kicked the game winning field goal. But then prior to that, Ricky Prohl caught the game-tying touchdown to tie the game at 29 to give the Panthers momentum. But what if John Casey had never made that illegal procedure penalty mistake The and that game had gone to overtime? The Carolina Panthers would have been in very, very good position heading into overtime with momentum. And what if Carolina would have gotten the ball and drove him down the field and kicked the game-winning field goal and they win Super Bowl 38? 
Does John Fox stay in Carolina his entire career? Does Jake DeLome stay in Carolina an extra couple of years? Does Steve Smith end his career in Carolina? You never, ever know, ladies and gentlemen. You'll never, ever, ever, ever know about these things. And as we all know, Carolina got back to the Super Bowl 12 years later and lost to the Denver Broncos. But ladies and gentlemen, that's why this is What If. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the I'm Just Saying podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Jared Dawkins. I hope you all continue to stay, to, to stay safe, continue to socially distance yourselves, wear your mask. I hope all of you enjoy the game tonight, Bucks, Cowboys. As you know, I will. I hope all of you enjoy the football weekend, college and pro. Continue to continue to stay safe. Be smart. Don't be stupid. We are all still in the middle of a pandemic. Thank you for listening. I'm out. Peace.